Getting engaged is a moment worth cherishing. A one-of-a-kind ring that you design at Blue Nile can help your love sparkle. Just choose your diamond and setting. When you've found the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Finding the right engagement ring can be nerve-wracking. At Blue Nile, you'll have the expert guidance needed and a diamond guarantee that ensures you're getting the highest quality at the best price. Cherish all of life's moments and save up to 30% at BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. Ladies and gentlemen, you are still listening to Behind the Steel Curtain, and this is Know Your Enemy for, what, I guess this is week six now, even though the Steelers have played four games. That's going to mess me up because the bye week wasn't where it was supposed to be. But uh, in the first half, we talked with uh, Dan Labby from uh, Cleveland.com. We're going to get into it uh, with Jeffrey Benedict. Uh, on the Steelers' side, a whole lot more. Um, sorry for not uh, giving you more airtime there, but I, I knew uh, we were a little crunched for time with Dan. So I, I hope you can forgive me, Jeffrey. No, that's fine. That's fine. He was giving us good stuff. He was, and uh, I, I think we could probably pull an article or two out of that for our, uh, for the website. But uh, what are you? What are your early thoughts on this one? Are, are you uh, are you at all worried that the Steelers could uh, pick up their first uh, their first L of the year? I actually am. Uh, but but bigger than that. My thoughts are actually on bigger things than that because hmm. he mentioned trying to change the culture. And we all know that's been a huge problem in Cleveland ever since they returned from from being, you know, from from art mode getting art modeled. Uh, they have had a culture problem where they can't get stuff, you know, they can't put it together. And one of the big factors in that, one of the things I love in the hist- history of the Browns is since Bernie Kozar. If you go once Bernie Kosar left the Browns in the early 90s and Bill Cower took over the Steelers, the Browns have not made the playoffs and beaten the Steelers in the same season. Their best season, he talked about 1994. In 1994, the Browns went 12-3 and against the rest of the NFL. They lost to the Steelers twice in the regular season. And then in the, in the, in the postseason, they won their wildcard game, came and faced the Steelers, and lost to the Steelers a third time in the playoffs and that that was uh that's 1994 if you guys remember the Steelers that's Barry Foster that's uh that's them spreading out all those wide receivers and changing really innovating offense and that that year was what and those three losses caused Nick Saban to invent his uh cover three adaptions to man often called cover six with pattern match zone stuff for for the film nerds out there but he invented that in response to the Steelers 1994 season and that is a defense this version of the Steelers uses heavily. And so, so it cracks me up that this is the best Browns team since then. If you go to 2002, the Browns were 9-5 and five against the rest of the league, lost twice to Steelers, made it to the wildcard game at 9-7, and seven, faced the Steelers in the wildcard game and lost a third time. And in 2007, their best season recently, uh, they were 10-4 and four against the rest of the NFL, 0-2 against the Steelers, and they missed the playoffs at 10-6 and 6 after they got swept by the Steelers because of their in their uh, division head-to-head record. <laughs> like, like, we are the reason they can't do anything. Like, when they are good, they still can't get past us. So, so one of the things I'm interested in is, as they're changing this culture, can this 4-1 Browns team come into Pittsburgh and win a game? Because if they can... That's that could be a huge sign that the Browns are back. 
Oh no! That's honestly. <laughs> I think the last thing we need is uh, another team in the AFC North that's turning the tide. Th- then you look at Cincinnati and Joe Burrow, and oh goodness, perhaps they have something there. And Lamar Jack. Oh no! I'm, I'm actually all about it. I love. I like people. We hate the Browns now, but man, back when back when they were good, the the way you felt after a loss to the Browns, like that ruined a month. That wasn't like over in a week. That was that ended the next time we beat the Browns. Until we beat the Browns again, it was bad. You know, I I kind of want that back. I kind of want it to mean something when we play the Browns, and I also really enjoy when there's three good teams in the AFC North. The Steelers do their best when they are battle-hardened. We saw that in 2005. We saw that in 2008. So for me, give us tough matchups. Gives us touch, tough games. You know, make this team be better. That's kind of my approach to it. So I, I, I really hope the Browns are back. Uh, potentially, they certainly are. I, one Mr. Baker Mayfield. Honestly, I was extremely critical of that guy heading into this year. I thought Baker would kind of be – not necessarily washed, but uh, I, I thought he'd be lo- like earmarked for a change of scenery. It's the second Case Keenum marked that contract. I, I know, uh, I know, we talked about it earlier with Baker, but is he a franchise quarterback, or is he still the weak link on their offense? Like, like what's kind of going on there? I I don't think he is in the same level as a guy like a Deshaun Watson. Um, but I go back to I go back to that draft class. And I would talk to people, and I was like, I actually liked Baker Mayfield for the Browns, partly because of his temperament and his personality. He's not, I mean, be as clear, he is not Mean Joe Green. But Mean Joe Green brought attitude to the Steelers that they didn't have and they needed to have. Kind of that just spitting fire. If you're losing, I'm yelling in your face. You know, that kind of attitude that they brought. And those 70 Steelers embodied it where they were cocky. They were out there, they were cocky, and they were going to pound you into the ground. And if you tried to beat them, they would they would step up even more. Baker Mayfield brings not not what Mean Joe Green brought, okay? But he brings a bit of that, that, that kind of cockiness he has. I think that works in Cleveland. I really think it works. I think it works to kind of help their, their, their team get over being a team that was okay with losing. You know, not he's not a guy who's going to sit there and, and come and do an interview and be like, well, on the film, you know, we ran this route and they beat us with this with this play. He's going to be – he brings emotion to it, and I think that's, that's a good thing for Cleveland. So I think he's actually good for the team. I don't know if he's a quarterback who can take them to the next level to being a playoff, you know, a, a regular playoff contender and, and a potential Super Bowl contender. I don't know. I, I, I doubt Baker Mayfield has a Super Bowl in his future. I really don't think he's that guy, but I do think he is the guy that they can turn that team around and kind of restart the culture a bit with. He has really good commercials. Uh, I'll give him credit for that. There's <laughs> I a- love those commercials. <laughs> he, he's done a Peyton Manning, man. I hated Peyton Manning. And Peyton Manning did those commercials where you couldn't help but like him. And now Baker Mayfield, I'm like, man, come on. I don't want to like you too. Don't stop it. <laughs> I don't know. I, I, I think I still find a way to uh, dislike old Baker. But <laughs> this this matchup, it, it feels super important. Yeah, I know it's early yeah. in the year. I, I know every game, is, especially when you only play 16, is magnified times 100. And any game you play within your division is magne- magnified 10 times that. This one, four and one Browns, four and zero Steelers. I feel like it has the makings of shaping the rest of the season. Uh, whether or not a team is chasing 
the rest of the way. And I don't, I, I don't know if you're feeling the same way on this, but I feel like whoever loses this game, it ends up like potentially not even being in the race with Baltimore. I, I know Baltimore is a loss and I suppose a, a victory against them could, could go a long way, but does a loss this week set a team back like three, four weeks, or is, is this one that you can recover from? I'm going to answer this two ways. The first is mathematically. Mm-hmm. If the Browns lose to every single team remaining on their schedule that has a current winning record, they will go 10 and six. If the Steelers lose to every team that has a winning record, including the Browns twice, that has a winning record on their schedule currently, they will go nine and seven. Hmm. Like those big starts, that four and zero start is huge for the Steelers. That four and one start is huge for the Browns. With a seventh playoff spot, either team could lose this game and mathematically be in fine position to make the playoffs. That's my first answer. My other answer is you don't want to be the team that loses this game because these two teams are are hot. These two teams are playing. They have momentum. And if you lose a game here, you're going to have to come back and steal that back. You're going to have to steal momentum in the division back somehow, somewhere. And you're not getting that beat in the Bengals. You know, you, you have to face the Ravens twice. you got to face Cleveland again. If For the Steelers, this game is big. Because this game, if we win this game, we can take the division. If we lose this game... We need to take it, you know, we need to come back and come back and snatch it from, from two other teams. That's that's a hard spot. I, I would not say this is a must win. I saw someone in the comments say this is a must win. It's not a must win. We can lose this game and bounce back. But this is a, this is one of those litmus test games. Like, how legit are the Steelers? How legit are we? Are we Super Bowl contenders? I know we're still growing. We're still practicing stuff. We're not, this isn't the final product of the team and they're able to keep starting slow. They're able to experiment and do things on defense like they've been doing and have it go bad because they haven't lost yet. But this is a good litmus test. This is a really good litmus test for are these teams legit? And if Cleveland loses this, if we come in there and beat them, like if we beat Cleveland good, let's say we put up a two score lead and we start going and they kind of have a little implosion a bit. It could set back their franchise. It really could. Like, this is one of those games where it could be like, well, same old Browns. You know, they just had a hot start and tricked us all again. Or if they beat the Steelers here, it could go the opposite other way, absolute opposite way. So this game to me, it's it's one of those games, like you said, it feels super big. Mathematically, it's not. But it feels so very big. Now, I look at it, and I think the biggest thing here is that it's in Pittsburgh, and there's a couple fans in the stadium. Uh, I don't. Are, are you feeling this too? Is this a, the the factor of the game? The Steelers are at home. Is that is that the game changer in this one? Oh man, I I think it could be. It could be. We need we need those guys fired up, especially Bud Dupree. You know, TJ Watt, we need Cam Hayward and Stefan Tuitt. Stefan Tuitt's going to be playing against Hubbard. We've got Hubbard against Tuitt. Tuitt, Tuitt's a game wrecker. He's not a guy who even has to show up on the, on the stat sheet. He can just be in the backfield, causing you to not be able to run the plays you want to run. Uh, so that's a, that's a big one. Um, but, yeah, fans in the stands, fans in the stands could be a big deal. Fans in the stands could be a big deal for the Steelers. Hopefully they play Renegade. I mean, show it on television even. Like we're over, we're out here dying. Give us Renegade. (laughs) 
Now, uh, my, my question to you is the Steelers' defense came out completely flat in from the second quarter on, it felt like, against the Eagles after that big Miles Sanders run. What is going on there? Is there cause to be concerned about the defense? Are, are they completely momentum-based, or what's, uh, what's kind of going on here? I, I think that play really turned that game into an offensive explosion. That's my opinion. Before that play, the Eagles had eight plays for negative two yards. We were absolutely dominating that defense. I, I did a film room on that play on the number of factors. I mean, we called a, one of our better pass rushes, uh, a combo pass rush. We had a blitz. They were experimenting. I've, I've talked about this. The defense is experimenting right now. They're doing some stuff. They blitzed Cameron Sutton, and they played Mike Hilton in Cameron Sutton's little dimebacker role. Mike Hilton misses a block, and Cam Sutton had no clue what he was doing blitzing. Like, well, he he blitzed, but you see Mike Hilton blitz, and you can play the run while he rushes the passer. Cameron Sutton ran up the arc and then was like, oh, wait, the ball's behind me. Like, and turned around and was completely out of the play the entire, the entire time. That play, to me, was one of those momentum-swinging plays. But at the same time, we've seen those every week. We're seeing these plays come – and kind of turn, and all of a sudden the other team's offense is going. Like, we'll hold them for a bit, then they get a good play, and here they come. Like, this defense needs to control the game, not just hope the momentum doesn't shift against them. Uh, the good news in that game, the good news against the Eagles, was when the explosion started dying off, it was interceptions by Steven Nelson. The first interception by Steven Nelson, it, it was a sack. You know, it was it was the defense actually coming around and making plays that stopped that and then let the Steelers walk away with a win because the, Eagle, the Eagles defense never recovered. We were just moving the ball. We kept going. Right. Now, something we talked about earlier in the show, too, was uh, T.J. Watt and how he has big games against the Browns. I, I couldn't tell you the exact total, but I want to say it, it's an exponential number of his 40 and a half some odd career sacks. Can he keep this up? It seems like every time they play against one another, this guy's having three sacks, three sacks and a pick, forcing a bunch of fumbles. Do you think he could do that again in this game? It's going to be harder. Uh, I think their right tackle now is uh, Conklin. Jack Conklin is their uh, right tackle now. But it could this will be a good test to see is TJ good against Cleveland because Cleveland was bad and they had bad players. Or is TJ good against Cleveland because they're Cleveland? You know, we know Ben. Ben is good against Cleveland and Cincinnati. He just always is, especially especially in Ohio. He's even better in Ohio than he is in, in Pittsburgh against them. Uh, TJ so far has kind of matched that. I just, I just kind of brought up the stats here. In six games, he has nine sacks, 12 tackles for a loss, 14 quarterback hits, an interception, and two passes defended. Wow. Six games against Cleveland. Steelers are 4-1-1 one, and one in those games. Uh, so I, I expect TJ Watt, TJ Watt to kind of turn it out this week and, and, and be looking to put up numbers, especially, especially when he's against a Miles Garrett, who, who the two of them, like if Miles Garrett comes in, gets a couple sacks on Ben Roethlisberger is disrupting the run game and really making life miserable for our offense and the Browns win the next game. That is a huge, huge leap. He will take and become and, and winning defensive player of the year like towards doing that. Same goes for TJ. If he can come out and be a player who is making plays, disrupt this game, you know, and, and be a guy who kind of 
has a signature game here that leads to a Steelers win, again, that'll be a huge deal for Defensive Player of the Year because these two guys are both right there in it. Yeah, and I, I think the other thing, uh, something you mentioned in there was uh, Ben Roethlisberger being better in the state of Ohio. I don't know if you saw the stat, but uh, Baker Mayfield finally uh, tied Ben Roethlisberger for the most wins in uh, Old Browns Stadium. Uh, now they are tied for career win win percentage within, or not win percentage, but wins total in that yep. stadium, which was honestly the funniest stat. I'm glad Ben's still tied with it. Uh, I, I want him to. I, I wish he had that stat forever, just because it's one that just makes you smile and makes you laugh. But why is Ben so good against his team? Well, I, I think he's good because they passed on him, mm. and he like where he grew up. Like he's he grew up in Ohio, and both of those Ohio teams. Like he goes home, people show up to the games, and he just puts on a show every single every single time. And I think with Cleveland especially, it's kind of that like you guys passed on me. Like I played high school in in, in Ohio. Uh, was he Finley High School? Yeah, Finley. Yeah, that's like right there. Like he is not far away. He's in the he grew up like you're in, you know, you're in the middle of Ohio. And the Browns are like, nah, we don't have a quarterback, but we'll take this tight end. <laughs> and like, if you've seen those draft things, like you saw Ben's initial reaction. And, and Ben back then was the kind of guy who would hold a grudge. He was that guy. I don't think he is that guy now, <laughs> but he's been doing it long enough that it's just it's second nature now. He just goes in there and trashes them. But they he, he just goes in there every single time he goes to Cleveland and shows those people the mistake they made not drafting him with, what, third overall, I think they were? So I think they were right behind the – were they right behind the other two? Or were they Kel, seventh Kel or something? Winslow I don't know. Went, they were up pretty high. Close, that yeah. was the year they got Winslow, yeah. I believe, instead yeah. of him. And, yeah, that was a huge mistake. Glad they made it. It's worked out really well for the Steelers. Oh, it's funny. It always seems like every every school almost in Ohio kind of makes that mistake. Like Ohio State, how do you not recruit that guy? Ohio ends up at University of Miami of Ohio. I, I don't think I never would have heard of that college if it wasn't for Ben Roethlisberger, even though they, they are a Division One. But it, it's one of those things. It's just how does this guy get, get slept on throughout his own area, throughout his entire career? But, uh, boy, am I glad he is playing so well for the Steelers and someone else that's playing well for the Steelers. Chase Claypool, we have been talking about this th throughout the, the, the history of this podcast. And what are you thinking of the young, youngster uh, bringing it with four touchdowns? Is this is this the new wide receiver one, next all-pro, next top guy as a receiver for the Steelers? Yes. Wow. I'll, I'll give you more, but, but <laughs> yes. Um, I, I pointed out to, to Mike before the show that if you if you take away week one, Right, and you look at just the the last three games for Chase Claypool, week the games two, three, and four. And if you take games two, three, and four for the whole NFL, I know everyone's played five games. Steelers have played four. It's hard to match up. So I just took two, three, and four for all the wide receivers in the NFL. Chase Claypool is top ten. He is second. He's tied for second in touchdowns. I think he's tenth uh, or twelfth in yards total yards. He's he's in top three in, in yards per target. He's up there in yards per reception. Like, he is dominating. And we're, we kind of look at him in Pittsburgh and we're like, oh, he's our next, you know, he's our next rookie. He's the next rookie that's done well. We had, you know, we had Juju and then we had Deontay and we've had, we have had Mike Wallace and we've had Martavis Bryant. No. 
This cat is in a different category. This is a totally different ball game. Chase Claypool is already showing. He understands the game mentally, and he processes it fast. The adjustments he makes, the moves he makes, the, the release he has at his size, the stuff he can do, it's not fair. He is an elite wide receiver. Uh, in my opinion, he is our number one wide receiver as of last week. Uh, one of the things we've talked about on this show, guys, we've always had caveats and said, okay, you know, we're going to, we're going to sell him a little short with the stats and predictions, but if he gets going with Ben, all bets are off. Another thing I had said before is I really expect him to go after, after the bye week, because when the Steelers hit the bye week, they work their rookies in more. We saw that even with the early bye week. Last week, Alex Highsmith was the number three outside linebacker, and Ola Adeniyi didn't even play. He played special teams only. Alex Highsmith filled that Anthony Ciccolo role as I am the only backup outside linebacker. He filled that role week five after the bye. Steelers upped the usage of the rookie. Chase Claypool comes back after the bye. He's running routes he wasn't running before. He's doing things in the offense he wasn't doing before. He's lining up all over the place, and he's our number one playmaker in the game. The bye week has happened. Chase Claypool has arrived. The Steelers have a new number one wide receiver. Uh, Speaking of uh, guys that have arrived, this one uh, coming off uh, the injured list, uh, Derek Watt, who's someone uh, that missed some time, obviously – for me, doing this uh, insane linking the dots, uh, connecting the lines, Derek Watt obviously wasn't put on that uh, that injured reserve that would see him out for three weeks. This would have been the third week, so my kind of understanding of the whole situation is he's probably coming back for this game. Uh, right now, he's kind of listed as questionable to play, but I would kind of expect that he would be otherwise. I feel like the Steelers would have put him on one of those reserve-type lists. Yeah. What does he bring to this run game, and what did the Steelers kind of miss uh, with him out of the lineup for that uh, game and a half that he wasn't uh, in for? He he brings the ability to run the ball when it's not easy to run the ball. Um, he also lines up all over the place and allows us to do a lot with our gadget plays. But the biggest number one thing is, in week three, when he went down, Derek Watt got injured. He was, they were using him more in the first half than they ever had, and the Steelers were having success. He gets hurt, and at the end of the game, for the first time that season, the Steelers had to throw the ball to convert first downs late in the game. We all saw the ending drives in the first two games. James, like them just running all over the other team and being like, yeah, we can, we can do whatever we want now. It's late in the game. You're tired. We got Derek Watt in, and we just gonna, we're just going to run all over your face. They didn't do that in week three. And in week five, we did pull it off. Benny Snell came in. It took, it took us three runs to get, to get a first down, and that's all we needed. We needed one first down, and we could end it. But the drives before that, we could have we pulled off a five- or six-minute drive, but we didn't. We, we weren't running the ball. We had to throw the ball. And that's that's why you saw – I think you see Chase Claypool's last touchdown probably doesn't happen if Derek Watt is healthy because we're running the ball. We're not throwing it. We're not doing these things. We're running the ball. We're running clock. We're eating that clock up, and we're running probably running for a touchdown or throwing, you know, right at the end zone throwing a play. But we're going five wide. 
late in the fourth quarter. That's the Derek Watt difference, uh, is this team knows that if the opponent knows we're running, they can stop us. And you know what? I think I think this is a really good game for him to kind of be back in. I think the physicality is really going to kind of ramp up once again in this game. It, it, I know these AFC North matchups always seems to bruise and batter guys. Is this is this kind of next little stretch one that's kind of a concerning stretch? Obviously, after this game, the Titans look red hot. They beat up on a Bills team that looked to be potentially maybe even the best team in the AFC. Uh, I know that's up for debate, but they they laid up beating on them yesterday. Uh, obviously, trying to figure out their uh, their uh, mindset of somehow they're being underdogs, almost even though they basically ruined the almost ruined the entire NFL season themselves. And then they got Baltimore after that. Uh, thankfully, uh, they're facing a Dallas team that's extremely banged up now. And I, I shouldn't say thankfully, but uh, obviously that DAC injury is huge. That's a game changer, and I, I think it completely sways that game. But the next yeah, we're three games, Andy Dalton, like, yeah, <laughs> if exactly. he's still the quarterback, we'll be facing Andy Dalton. It's a totally different thing. Exactly. But before that, we even get to that game. This next three game stretch seems like it's going to be a physical battering affair. I, I think it goes without saying it's going to be the most important stretch of the Steelers season. But uh, what do these next three games really mean to this team? The biggest thing is health. The biggest thing is health. Avoiding injuries that will affect us late in the season and into the playoffs. Um, that's, that's you know, cross your fingers, say your prayers, hope for the best there. Uh, but also it's a real, this is the real test. And this is, this is really good. Like we can go one and two in this stretch and be five and two and be like, all right, you know, we can still make the playoffs. We're still in good position. But that's that's not how you want to run. That's how you want to go. This is that's, and that's why I think the Browns game is really important. Is because if we can win this game, and we can win one of the Tennessee or the Baltimore or the Dallas games, and we come out of this four week stretch, you know, six and two, that's that's going to be really really impressive. That's going to be something else. Uh, if if we go one and three, okay, yeah, you're five and you're five and three. If we can go, if we can win three, though, that would be amazing. Um, two is good, but this now, is really the this is really the task. This is the hard part of the season. Yeah, I, I think if, if they finish the, the like this next four games, like you say, like this uh, the second quarter of the season, three and one. I think three and one puts you in position to uh, to get yourself that number one seed and the only team with a bye. I, I think that's the position they're they're talking with. Uh, of course, four and zero. Oh, I think that would go without saying. Uh, but how often do the Steelers start season four? No, uh, yeah. I, I think it's been uh, over 50 years or maybe even ever. But uh, yeah, no, like you said, this this is going to be an extremely important stretch to kind of dictating. I, honestly, this is the, the playoff seeding stretch without even without it uh, even being really that close to playoffs. Those, those last eight games are really kind of scheduled a lot in the Steelers' favor despite it being on the road a lot. Uh, I think when when you look at the rest of the AFC North, uh, I'm not too concerned about those Bengal games because I think Joe Burrow might be, uh, God help his soul, if he's even alive for those games, he's going to be absolutely beat up. I, I, it's hard not to feel bad for that kid when you're watching Bengals uh, highlights or, or, or their games. But what, what do you think when you look around the rest of this AFC North? Obviously, this is the first uh, matchup uh, for the Steelers within this division. 
where are things kind of shaping up? What's what's kind of the trajectory of uh, this divisional race? Well, Cincinnati has a quarterback if if they can keep him alive, like you said. I don't see I don't see him surviving long there. I, I think they're gonna I think they're gonna probably beat it out of him. He's got that competitive spirit. I don't see him seeing being a person who's gonna say, All right, I'll accept losing and just try and stay healthy. I don't think he's that kind of player. I think you're gonna see Joe Burrow push himself. And I think you're gonna see him take years off of his career because they can't keep him from getting beat the snot the snot beat out of him. Uh, one worry I do have about him is there we we were facing them after their bye week, uh, and we're currently still facing them after their bye week. But now it's not you know our bye week, then Dallas, then Cincinnati. It's Tennessee, Baltimore, Dallas, Cincinnati after their bye week. Uh, that that could that that spells trap game all over the place. Like that's that's the trap game after we have a four game stretch that's actually kind of rough. And then you face this rookie coming off the bye week. And if they can change some stuff up and get that offense looking a little different than what we have on tape, you know, that could, that could be one of those type of games where it's a trap. Yeah. Now, as we get to the top of the hour here, uh, I'm, I'm curious to your score prediction for Steelers versus Browns. I'm going to go 31-28 Steelers. Ooh, 5-0. and oh. I- I'm liking it, Jeffrey. And you know what? From the beginning of the season, I, my whole thing was Steelers were going undefeated into Baltimore. I'm gonna keep on that trend. Uh, I, I'm I'm gonna hammer that out until until we cross that bridge. But I, I know the line right now is a three point uh, uh, Steelers minus three. Uh, I, I feel like that's something that we're probably gonna see. I, I don't know if it's necessarily gonna be as high scoring as it was a week ago. Uh, so I'm gonna say something along the lines of an also weird score. I'm gonna go Steelers twenty six Browns. 23 uh as as we uh kind of uh wrap up here jeffrey do you have anything that uh, you want to plug for the for the good listeners i had a bunch of film rooms come out yesterday uh, i've got another one coming this week on the defense and uh it, it, one of them is going to be be titled where in the world is minka fitzpatrick so look forward to that yeah and you know what that's uh that's one i'm certainly looking forward to uh jeffrey thank you so much uh, for tonight this was fun uh and and thank you for uh all the listeners that uh, hung out with us. So we'll catch you next week. Uh, Make sure you're checking out uh, the entire uh, behind the steel curtain family of podcasts. Make sure you're clicking on the website. We got tons of great Steelers content uh, and uh, all our social media platforms. As always, we'll be live tweeting games and providing you with some highlights and some uh, updates everywhere else too. So thank you guys for hanging out with us Uh, for Jeffrey. I'm Michael Beck and you're listening to behind the steel curtain and know your enemy. Have a great night.